stereotypes around who can transmit or get HIV still persist, with many people assuming that only gay men are impacted by HIV and AIDS. Now, this leaves women shut out from screening and preventative services geared towards the LGBTQ community. And according to HIV.gov, cisgender women accounted for nearly one in five of the new HIV diagnoses in 2021. And black women are getting hit the hardest. But efforts are underway to bring education and preventative medicine to cis women, especially black women. Dr. Sadia Haider is Rush University Medical Center's acting chief of gynecology. And she's researching this issue. Welcome back, doctor. Thank you. Good to see you again. So I want to first off get everyone on the same page, if you will. So tell us your current project uh, funded by the National Institutes of Health and, and how long it will last. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me again. Um, you know, I feel this is a really important topic and uh, we have been working towards this research that we're doing for a number of years. This study um, is funded for five years. It just We just received the funding in August okay. of this year, and it's a planned initiative for a five-year period. It's collaborative with um, Lurie Nor at Northwestern, um, Lurie Children's Hospital. One of our collaborators is there. Uh, we have colleagues at UIC and in combination with Planned Parenthood clinics across Illinois. Wow. Yeah. So walk us through why this project is needed. Why is it so important and why focus on black cisgender women specifically? Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, women are um, still acquiring HIV, uh, despite the fact that we often don't perceive that to be the case. So cis women represent um, approximately 20% of the 40,000 new infections annually. Black women experience one of the highest incidents, as you said, um, second only to men who have sex with men. Black women account for 60% of new HIV infections. And in Chicago, there's not only are there racial disparities across the nation, um, Chicago also has one of the highest rates of HIV acquisition. And 59% of the new infections in Chicago are among cis black women. Do we have any idea why? that is? Yeah, I think there are multiple factors. I think we know that there's a lack of sort of self-perception of risk among the heterosexual population in general. Um, we also know the communities that um, many of the black cis women living in Chicago live in communities with high rates of HIV infection, up to as high as 5%. And in the setting of lack of awareness of risk, um, certain risk behaviors might be taken without prevention. Mm -hmm. In addition, there's a lack of um, awareness on the healthcare system side of, in terms of providers who take care of patients, cis black women specifically, actually educating their patients, offering preventive strategies, um, knowledge gaps sort of both on the patient and the provider side in mm -hmm. areas where there are high risk pockets of heterosexual transmission. So black women are, are facing barriers then in, in accessing HIV care. Yeah, I think there are ba barriers in terms of even just understanding their risk and being provided the knowledge and in terms of accessing the, the prevention. Yeah, you bring up some good points there. I want you to talk more about how medical mistrust might factor into these. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think historically we know there's, um, you know, there is a need for trusted providers to really bridge that gap between knowledge and then eventually in terms of actually uptaking medical care. So um, in the case of, you know, s sexual and reproductive health, that's even more um, needed because this is an area that's very sensitive. Patients need to trust their provider to actually feel that they can um, talk about their sexual um, behaviors. And often our providers are not representative of our population. And so there, there's a need to really engage um, 
kind of community members in this educational effort Mm -hmm. and then bridge that gap and bring the trust to the patient. Yeah, that cultural competency conversation has been so prevalent, Mm -hmm. especially over the last few years. Yeah. You talked about gaps in how uh, providers approach prescribing PrEP to women. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So unfortunately, despite the fact that PrEP um, pre-exposure prophylaxis has been very effective and available in the United States since 2012 for many, many years, and there have been many efforts to um, increase awareness and uptake, there's been less done on the side of providers who take care of women in particular. Mm -hmm. And so many providers aren't even aware that they should be offering this to to patients. Um, So I would say there's very limited prescription. We know that only like 10% of um, black women who would be at risk and should be offered this prescription are getting it. So there's really a lack of clear knowledge gap amongst providers and comfort level with sort of addressing um, the need for HIV prevention among women, cis women in particular, Mm -hmm. and black women. You know, as you're speaking, Dr. Heider, I'm I'm even thinking back, you know, in my own travels and just at my different, you know, gynecological offices, Mm -hmm. whether I'd even seen a poster. Yeah. No, you probably haven't. I've never seen that. I've never seen any pamphlets or... Yeah, absolutely. Any sort of advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think not only in the, in the physician's office, but if you look at um, public campaigns, whether it's, you know, through public health initiatives, a lot, you know, posters, um, websites, they're very much geared towards men or um, LGBTQ populations. Um, the advertisements for the medications, even on TV and otherwise, often do not represent yeah. um cis women. And so for the for the person listening who still isn't connecting the dots, I mean, give us the takeaway here. Like, why are black women more than any other ethnicity or race getting HIV at such high rates? Yeah, I think there are um, multifactorial issues. Um, so black women are in general facing more structural and social challenges. We know there's a component of, you know, what we call social determinants of health, which um, include like transportation, getting to a, a clinician's office, having the ability to pay for medical care. So those are innate factors amongst, you know, um, certain racial groups, specifically black population. And then there's the sort of um, lack of awareness in that community. And then there's also the the higher rates of um, sexually transmitted infections in this population. We can look at various zip codes in Chicago, and we know that those rates are significantly higher within certain communities. Mm-hmm. And so with just like other sexually transmitted infections that are higher in those communities, HIV is also higher. Um, and so it's really through their partners that they're acquiring this, mm-hmm. right? So um, the partner rates are high. Um, men in these communities have higher rates of HIV, and thus they're their female partners who are not aware of the risk have higher um, transmission and are not accessing care um, due to various factors. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking about World AIDS Day, also highlighting efforts to connect black women with care and preventative medicines. Dr. Sadia Haider is here with us from Rush University. Uh, she's their acting chief of gynecology, and she's walking us through research into this very very fact. So you're coming at this issue, doctor, uh, with a multi-pronged approach then. So just uh, walk us through how this project specifically works, right? So you're focusing on education, yeah. first and foremost, yep. patient education. Uh, what else? You're providing yeah. training. So there are uh, essentially 
several um, efforts in combination that we think will increase the um, uptake of PrEP amongst this population, specifically black cis women. So our approach is to first think about like which settings and can we reach women the most, right? So many, most women even may not access care regularly, but if they show up to a Planned Parenthood clinic or a family planning clinic, they are showing up because they need sexual reproductive health care, which means they might be already at risk because they've, you know, need um, preventive health around sexual reproductive health care. Mm-hmm. They might be more open to talking about it. So we've chosen the setting. So we've chosen to work in a large system of family planning clinics across Planned Parenthood of Illinois. So that's the first thing. So mm-hmm. that's the setting where we know we can reach a lot of Lexus women yeah. who are accessing care. The second thing is the um, provider training. So we're doing a number of initiatives to really bring up the awareness amongst providers in these clinics to understand you know, how do you screen for this? How do you prescribe it? Why should we be doing it routinely? Um, and then we're using, we're um, having a community advisory board, uh, which will be members of community from from the black community. Some may have used PrEP, some may have not. Some may have gotten HIV, some may have not, to really think about how best to reach the patient. I see. Yeah. You talked about the prevalence of this um, in, in Chicago. So this is a local project. Yeah, You're so the project that we here. are working, that we just got funded um, for across um, Illinois is just uh, focused on Illinois, primarily in Chicago. We do have other work as a team across these same partners that I'm working with mm-hmm. at Lori and um, across the nation that are working in the South as well. Yeah. Um, so we have some Focus other on urban centers, urban centers, high risk, high risk um, centers. This isn't your first time looking into this issue, though this is a newly funded project. Yes. Right. Uh, So talk more about what you've seen in your previous research that's going to inform this work. Yeah. So in the previous research, we really did see the the what we documented and looked at was the gap in knowledge on the patient and the provider side. Mm -hmm. So we did a number of studies where we looked at our patients being offered, you know, when they show up to a gynecology appointment. Is their provider talking to them about this? Um, and we found that very high rates were not being, um, at very high rates, patients were not being informed about this. Mm-hmm. The other things we documented were if you did set up a, in a very, in a small scale, we set up a pilot study in which we looked at these initiatives, the patient provider um, education piece, some aspect of what we called emerge, um, electric electronic medical record optimization that would help support the providers to prescribe this once they're aware of how to prescribe it, why they should prescribe it, Mm -hmm. and some patient navigation as well, which is supporting the patient to with the, you know, logistical factors, getting to care, um, getting their prescriptions filled, um, financial help to get the prescriptions. Mm -hmm. So those are the things we've looked at in smaller scales um, to then say like some of the, these are efforts that seem to work on a smaller scale. Let's put them all together and do it on a larger scale to have a larger impact. What's the end goal here? How will you know yeah, that this has been successful? This is a great question. So when you apply to the National Institute of Health, you have to have very clear outcomes and metrics. Um, and so we had to very clearly define that. And um, the outcome is really up, increased uptake of PrEP by a certain number among Black cis women. Our goal would be to ultimately, right now we're prescribing to very few women, right? Like less than 10%. And in these clinics that we're looking at, even less than that. So up to 15, 20% or higher is what we're looking for in the study. But ultimately, our goal would be if this works, could we expand this to clinics across the country that take care of cis women? Other community organizations too. Right. And exactly. Partnering with community organizations and, you know, 
the ending the HIV um, uh, epidemic is really focused on getting HIV down by 75 percent by 2025. This is the national initiative Mm -hmm. and 90 percent by um, 2030. And that's our goal. So to that end, doctor, I mean, what message do you want to drive home then as you've got the ears of of our listeners uh, who might think that they aren't likely to become HIV positive? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we I think we just want to I think you're you know, you're going to bring on other speakers who will talk about stigma. And I think um, knowing, you know, not I want people to be aware that this is, you know, should be an open conversation. It's not an issue that should be stigmatized. I think really we should be able to educate our community to know that just be self-aware, know that there are high rates still in in Chicago Mm -hmm. and across the country, know that as a as a cis woman, you are still potentially at risk, even if you may not be engaging in some of the behaviors that are generally associated with HIV acquisition, you're still maybe at risk, you know, bring it up with your clinician. If it hasn't been brought up to you, be empowered to have those conversations um, and know there are lots of resources and support to get this medication prevention. Speaking of resources, where can folks access HIV screening or get more information on on PrEP in general? Yeah. And, and remind us of the, the cost. So now um, H- this uh, PrEP medication is now generic. Um, has, has there's now a generic version, so we don't have to pay for the higher cost um, brand name. Okay. Um, it is covered by most insurance um, and pr- pretty much all insurance that I'm aware of. So Medicaid in particular would cover this. So it shouldn't be, it should be free of cost for the majority of our patients. Um, really good information. CDC.gov has lots of really good information. If you look up specifically HIV prevention and PrEP, um, there are many resources within Chicago. The Chicago AIDS Foundation has really good community-based resources, not only um, information and knowledge um, that you can gain there, but also resources for accessing the care, you know, support for getting to appointments, those kinds of things. We'll leave it there. That's Dr. Sadia Haider, who's acting chair of gynecology at Rush University Medical Center. We were discussing her research and efforts to bring more HIV prevention and care to black cisgender women. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you so much for having me.